those are cute glasses. Those are your new glasses. Oh, hi. Hi, yes. There you are. <laughs> I see their newness more in this light. Just raising the volume on you a bit so I can hear you more. That's right. As well you should. Okay, hold on one second. I'm just going to write down columnar apple trees. Okay. Don't make fun of me. Um, That's not columnar a setting we have on this trees. podcast. Columnar apple trees and cold, hardy, clumping bamboo. Ooh, I love a clumping bamboo. Yeah, I just got to convince Grunge Girl that she should be into it, too. We have some areas that we want, like, you know, hidden, privacy. Yeah. You know? You should look for black bamboo. It's so pretty. Black bamboo? Yeah. I can't remember if it's a clumping or a spreading variety. Obviously, you shouldn't ever get yeah. spreading, but it's just like so beautiful. Just like dark, dark black canes. Yeah. I oh, like great. They're both clumping and spreading varieties. Oh, I love it. How tall do they? Like a big, big ass okay, bamboo cool. size. Oh my god, I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, they're so beautiful. Grungel is very like New England bamboo. What are you? What are you doing? But mm -hmm. yeah, I think as a as a clumping plant, it can be perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much better than say like a uh, azalea. Azalea. I need to look up. How do you spell azalea? A z a l e a. Azaleas can become quite invasive up here. Oh really? Yeah. Azalea images i want to see yeah what do you think of rhododendrons azaleas and rhododendrons are the same thing i think oh they are versus a rhododendron. azalea a certain species of the rhododendron of the heath family formerly placed in the genus azalea oh but i wonder how we just use those words colloquially right. if there's a difference between the two. Oh, i think it's like a big small thing Big, small. I don't know. Of. Whatever. Landscape plants or not. We didn't come on here to talk about landscape plants. Yes. What What are we here for? Well, first of all, Michael, hi, how are you? How am I? Well, it's almost spring. So It's true. I, I can feel the springiness more each day. I know. It's great. So Grunge Girl and I are getting excited about various outdoor things. She got some grow lamps for a better seating sprouting Ooh, situation cute. yeah cute thinking about landscaping it's on the mind mm -hmm. i had a, a lesson for my unnamed string instrument right secret ongoing string instrument affair yep so that was nice for reasons i can't mention on the pod i am busy i'm very busy <laughs> but it is meaningful work for a community that i care about so that's nice that's great yeah god bless i know how are you Hava? I'm tired right now. I've just been out at my boyfriend's mom's for most of the day, which was lovely. We spent a lot of time watching 90 Day Fiance and criticizing various characters. Wait, what is, is this? So 90 Day Fiance, the plot of a 90 Day Fiance is generally that someone not from the United States meets someone from the United States via an internet romance and they get married within 90 days. Sometimes the person moves to the States. Sometimes the person from the States moves away. And it's a reality television show following those romances. It is a big uh, topic in that household. Is it like the producers of the show are gamifying it? Like they have to decide to get married or are they just finding it? No, it doesn't seem people? gamified. It seems like it's just following these people around. So it's like they found people 
who are in this process somehow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they structure it. It seems clear to me that a lot of people have sort of put themselves into this situation for the drama. Sometimes there are some people in the last episode we watched, there was this one woman who moved to Egypt to be with her new husband, who she had had her internet romance with. And she was like, uh, her life before this is that she lived in LA and did vintage upselling. So like very Uh. LA person, very style conscious. And then she moves to Egypt and her husband is like, oh, like we can't go to this cafe. This is like a men's only cafe. And she's like, no, let's try it. And then he's like, oh, like, I don't want you to meet my friends. It's not normal in Egypt for you to introduce your wife to your friends. And she's like, no, let's try it. And she just like keeps being like, no, I can't. I came here to live in Egypt, but I'm just going to keep doing L.A. Oh my God. here. And it just keeps going worse and worse. And I'm like, you had to have known. You had to have thought for one moment about this, please. Oh, my God. What is going on with her psychologically? That is so fascinating. See? And this is what makes 90 Day Fiance so compelling. I don't really watch it at home, but whenever I'm over there, we watch it. And it's like 50% watching, 50% trash talking. I've listened to a lot of media where people analyze and talk about Real Housewives. Right. Yeah. I love watching people talk about watching Real Housewives. Yeah. So what you're saying is we should turn our podcast into a 90 Day Fiance podcast. I mean, maybe. I mean, we already did that for <laughs> Russian Doll, right? It's true. I don't think I don't think we should turn it into a 90 Day Fiance podcast, but it's kind of fun to daydream about. So yeah, so I was just out all day and then I've just had a bunch of meetings and I'm just like so close to the end of my day and so tired. Well, I want you to feel like this pod time is like very chill. I feel very chill. This is like the chillest thing that I'm doing today. Oh, that's sweet. Okay, so we're doing a listener question today, and it's about a topic we've actually talked about quite a bit, but I still thought it was worthy and fun for a episode, a mini-sode, all its own. So our listener asks, Hi, I was wondering if y'all could talk about what the Talmud says about the idea of multiverse and alternate slash parallel universes. I don't know if this or anything similar is present in the Talmud, but I think it would be an interesting topic. I agree. It has come up a couple different times on the show. I think we had like an episode about rabbis and the cosmic questions where the rabbis of the Talmud were like, don't ask what came before, what's going to come after. Just be glad it happened, basically, and all that kind of stuff. And Michael brought some stuff about aliens before. Yep, yep, yep. And how Rabbi schneerson he wrote an opinion about how it's totally feasible that they're aliens but they won't be like conscious in the same way humans are based on blah 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 all right so i started i just googled jewish multiverse and the first thing i found was an article on aish which is like a chabad affiliated sort of like media outlet right media outlet and it was this article sort of like responding to everything everywhere all at once with like big youth pastor vibes it was very much like everything everywhere all at once like has popularized the idea of the multiverse but you know who else created multiple universes hashem um (laughs) yeah yeah which was like pretty great pretty Uh, funny I i mean okay before you tell me the answer my prediction of the answer to the question is that i feel like there's definitely some 
some Agadah somewhere. Okay, first of all, what's the difference between Midrash and Agadah? I know Midrash has multiple meanings, but in the Agadah sense of the word Midrash, what is the difference between so, Midrash and Agadah? Both of these words are used in quite a few different ways. One of the main ways I'm familiar with is that people sometimes say in a gross oversimplification that Talmud has sort of two basic kinds of content, halacha and Agadah, basically like stories and law. So that's one use of the word Agadah. Also, sometimes Agadah is just used to refer to like sort of Jewish stories that have been handed down orally. And then Midrash can be used to mean generally the technique of drashing something, or it refers to a specific body of literature that some of it is contemporaneous with Talmud that is the Midrash, that is like its own set of work. Now that we have that cleared up, I will say that I'm wondering if this article is going to go in the direction of God has created multiple universes and destroyed them, and like this is the current iteration. We are going to talk about that, and I'm also going to talk about, I'm sort of coming to like one specific angle of the multiverse question that I sort of uncovered through this research that okay. I think is kind of an interesting thing to speculate on. First of all, the Talmud doesn't have a lot to say about multiverses. It's mostly out there in the Midrash. And most famously in this Midrash from Bereshit Rabbah 3, Rabbi Yehuda Bar Shimon said, it does not say let there be evening, but and it was evening in Genesis. Hence, we derive that there was a time system prior to this. Rabbi Abahu said this teaches us that God created worlds and destroyed them, saying, this one pleases me, those did not please me. Rabbi Pinchas said, Rabbi Abahu derives this from the verse, and God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. As if to say, this one pleases me, those others did not please me. So, this is like the most clear multiversic source that I could find, where the contention of Rabbi Abahu and Rabbi Yehuda Bar Shimon seems to be, yeah, there were other universes that existed prior to this one, and they had other flows of time, it seems, but they were sort of all destroyed before this one. Okay, so here, here is where I sort of got off on a different angle. This is from the Aish article, and they did not provide any source for this theological assertion. They didn't provide any textual source, but they seem quite comfortable with this idea. Here's a quote from that article. If we believe in an infinite God who sees all, knows all, including the past, present, and future, then every branching path that we could take exists, just not to us. Which seems like a huge huge cosmological leap from saying because God can perceive all, all that can be perceived must exist. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a, some su assumptions in there about free will. If God can perceive the future and everything that will happen, but we have free will, maybe you could kind of put those two things in the blender and say, well, I guess God sees all the possibilities and they exist in some sense and in God's mind, or in, in the God space, in the Godhead. Right, right. And I, I this feels just like a way of responding to the idea of, like, if there must be one unlimited God, that God must contain all possibilities, including all possible futures and pasts. Which feels like not, not a given at all <laughs> to me. Yeah. I feel like you could have a sort of mono chronological view of time and just be like, yeah, there is an infinite God. He's keeping track of this timeline, the one that there is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe 
if God could keep track of all of the timelines, that's still... Uh, fuck this. I mean, it seems like what you're, what you're hinting at, something I was also thinking, is like, what does it mean for something to exist? Yes, in yes, the, exactly. In the fr- like, thing of this quote, like, seems to be holding the opinion that if it can be conceived, it can exist. And uh, I, I am I... open to that possibility. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this really needed, I needed to see a little footnote after this quote with a link to a text. And there was not one. <laughs> no, no, I think that's exactly, I think that's the root of it. I mean, you're springing this on me, but I think that's the root of it. It's basically saying, if it can be conceived of, then it must exist. Because if you can conceive of it, then God can conceive of it. And anything that God conceives of it exists in some way, that's the jump. It seems like there's also an epistemological argument about God, that if God can think something, it must be true because God only thinks true thoughts. Yeah. Maybe there's a lot. This is what I'm saying is like, this is like that, that one spaghetti noodle that sort of slips down your throat when you didn't intend to swallow it. And then you're like, wait a second. There's like so many philosophical assertions packed into this little sentence. And then once you start unpacking them, you're like, what is actually being said here? I mean, this is a pop article. I feel like I I want, before you start saying things like that, Chabad, (laughs) I, I want you to break down your model of the metaphysics please right so i went also straight up to chabad.com and looked up their article on multiverses they first of all in a really really funny they start off their article by being like before we talk about multiverses first we have to solve the issue of is there life outside of humans in our universe uh <laughs> they're what? like first we got to figure out aliens then we can talk about multiverses no. so they link you to their alien article <laughs> and then they proceed to talk about multiverses. they're just really excited that's the guy who's just really excited about inserting yeah. aliens into every he just the truth is out there for this guy and so he talks about this story of the Baal Shem Tov, where basically the Baal Shem Tov had everybody hold hands and they could perceive sort of the malign intent of someone who was present in the town who had plans to do something bad. And they were like, oh, fuck, like, damn, even our thoughts and intentions are, like, palpable. Chabad concludes from this, No potential ever remains unrealized. A person's every act, word, and even thought has an effect. At times, the effect is concrete and tangible. At times, it is more subtle and can be discerned only by a finer and more spiritual eye. So Chabad sort of twist on this concept seems to be that like not necessarily that every possibility exists although maybe but like even things that we don't consider to be actions are actions and have effects that maybe can't be perceived and this is sort of like towing the multiverse line to me that there are like possibly multiple dimensions yeah i mean there are multiple dimensions but even more dimensions yeah 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 like a a fantasy or a dream cannot be totally divorced from its effect on right It, it makes some ripples in the pond and therefore if it if it takes part in the chain of cause and effect then it must have some kind of reality to yeah, it definitely not a sex positive Sex positivity is not downstream of this idea, I'll tell you Yeah, that. I mean, unless you're, like, super, unless Chabad is like, yeah, your fantasies are real and they're hot. 
Yeah, they're real and they're hot and they have a positive impact. Like like yeah. all of them, all your most like debaucherous thoughts. Yeah, I'm not super like excited about this. I mean, I think our, our thoughts do have an effect, but I think thinking of them as all as real as other actions is like not a particularly exciting road to go no, down I don't for like me. It either. I feel like a lot of ethics, not just Jewish ethics, I don't really know anything about Jewish ethics, but I feel like a lot of ethics is based on the idea that you might have the thoughts and the feelings, but you don't act on them. You choose to listen to some sort of higher morality and you don't act on them. And, and so even though you have those feelings and those thoughts, they don't have as, as much of a ripple effect as actions do, which I feel mm -hmm. like is the general opinion of most people who walk around in, in the modern world, I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm just projecting. So then the third thing, third and final Jewish source I wanted to bring is a sugya we've talked about a billion times on this show from Eruvin 13b, Noach Lola Adam Shenivra. Basically, the sages taught in a Abraita for two and a half years, Shammai and Hillel disagreed. These say it would have been preferable for man to not have been created rather than to have been created. And those said it's preferable for man to have been created. And they debated for two and a half years and they concluded it would have been preferable had man not been created. However, now that he has been created, he should examine his actions. And some say he should scrutinize his actions. So the reason that this felt multiverse adjacent to me is because Aish made it all about counterfactuals. And the approach, at least, of Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai in our sort of most notorious, to me, this feels like them contemplating another universe, which is interesting because it makes me feel like they felt like figuring this out, like figuring out whether that other universe is better was important enough that they debated about it for two and a half years. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. The result of that debate doesn't shine a light on whether or not there are multiple universes but it would be i mean their debate seems their result is one that's very satisfying in some ways to me which is like there are other universes but don't worry about it is like that, that possibility exists but you should just think about your own shit right now basically. yeah 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 it doesn't preclude the existence of a multiple universe i want i want the rabbis to have a debate on whether they'd prefer to have the universe they currently have or to have universes that are parallel. They should have that debate for two years, too, and yeah. see which they'd prefer. I, I feel like they've had it for a while now. I feel like mathematicians are thinking about that. I actually did put at the bottom of my little source sheet, I already talked about Sabine Hassenfelder, YouTube physicist, yes. who I really like, whose book I'm reading right now. She has this really great video called Does the Past Still Exist? Uh, which I highly recommend. Just Google Sabine does the past still exist on YouTube? And you'll find it. But basically, she got this question from someone who was like, I heard basically because of the math of time that my relative who has died sort of like continues to exist because that's just how the physics of time works out. And so she goes into answering like, is this true or is this just a bunch of hooey? And she's basically like, yeah, given everything we know in physics, it seems like all time is sort of like equally real depending on an observer. She obviously explains it in much clearer terms than me, and I don't grok all the physics of it, but ultimately she's like, yeah, basically the past exists, but then her conclusion is sort of like, but also does it really matter? Does it exist in any way that matters to us? Not really. But if it's nice for you to know that it still exists, 
then that's nice and that's fine. Okay, very interesting. What does she say about parallel universes? Well, she has a, a million videos about parallel universes. I didn't bring that one because the other question or the other thought that gets attached to this one is a question I've also talked about before on the show. The question of, is math all there is? She talks about it in her book, basically this question of, we have math that can describe an atom to us, but that math is not an atom. So like what gives the atom its atomness? Because all we have is like more and more sophisticated equations to describe phenomena. Yeah, it's basically more and more sophisticated language to describe right, phenomena. Right. And this feels like really related to that question of Hillel and Shammai of like, yeah, we can imagine a universe in which humans weren't created and it might have been preferable. But also, just because we have the language to describe something doesn't necessarily solve the problem of its realness for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can sort of only work with the observations we have available. Yeah, I mean, putting aside parallel universes, like the realness of an atom or the realness of anything is something that at some point, if you realize it's all a language game, you just have to have faith that it exists. Exactly. You have to embrace reality, unfortunately. Yeah, 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 you do. And it's you can't prove reality. There's no way to do it. Yeah. So that's why I brought in Sabine, because it just feels like this is really similar to what the Talmud is saying and, and what it also said in our episode about big questions where they're sort of like, don't worry about what came before the universe or what will come after, even though they totally don't practice what they preach. <laughs> With regards to that edict, like, there's something connected to me about saying like, yeah, like this still exists, but also like it doesn't exist in a way that necessarily means anything for you. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Parallel so universes. ultimately my conclusion, yes, I would say what is up with the multiverse in Judaism and in rabbinic thought, even according to quite conservative sources like Chabad is essentially a multiverse is entirely compatible with Judaism. It, however, probably doesn't mean anything for your Judaism, <laughs> unless you find a way for it to mean something for you, in which case that's beautiful. And I think that's also compatible. But just like going by sort of the most ordinary workaday Judaism view, multiverse is like completely compatible. And in some cases, mandatory, if you take Aisha's word for it, because like the sort of implied logic of their statement is to believe that there's only one universe would be to undermine the infinitude of Hashem. Yep. Yeah. Nah. Mm, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. I just think that's the the logic yes, of their yeah, statement. It, it, I'm it not is, saying that's is. true, but I think that's like implied in what they're saying is sort of not only is a multiverse compatible with Judaism, it is required. <laughs> we need a multiverse to make Judaism go. So yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't find more Talmudic sources because I know that's what you asked for, but I hope I said some interesting things about Judaism in the multiverse. This has been a lovely little episode. Behind the scenes right now, for those of you who don't know, we're making a big, fat, juicy, sloppy, wet, delicious mega series on Temple OS and Judaism and modernity and chaos. You can hear behind the scenes Patreon episodes by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash hi, how are you? And even if you don't, we're just happy to have you. So without further ado, we just want to say, we hope you had a great Purim and Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov. <laughs>